everyone, and welcome back to the Research VR podcast. I am your host, Azad Balabanyan, and with me today is Alba Donoyel, the co-founder and CEO of Sketchfab. Hi, Alba. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. Great to have you here. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Sketchfab, which I think I consider to be like one of the more important and kind of like foundational backbones of the 3D world in general. And so we're going to kind of go into like what it is for people that don't know and uh, talk about how it intersects into VR, AR, um, and kind of where you see the world of 3D going. Great. Yeah. So I guess let's start with the beginning. Like, how did you find yourself in this realm of VR and AR and 3D in general? Oh, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> I guess it started with the fact that I do sculpture as a hobby, uh, or like okay. physical sculpture. I'm sorry, there's police cars in the street. You, you'll hear some New York sirens, and you'll also <laughs> probably hear some Berlin sirens soon enough. It'll be a nice little concerto. So I just uh, sculpture as a hobby, mostly wood sculpture. And back in 2011, I got commissioned a, a large piece. And I found myself running out of time to actually do this uh, in wood from start to finish. And so I started looking into any other way to produce a piece in a faster way. And, and that's how I started discovering about uh, molding and by extension, like 3D printing. So it was 2011 in France, uh, 3D printing, like consumer 3D printing was really nascent. And I really got fascinated by that. And so... I, I was talking to everybody I would meet about this. Um, and at the same time, I was, uh, I've always wanted to start my company. At the time I was working in, in photography, helping start uh, a, f- a photojournalism magazine back in France, uh, but meeting a lot of people and brainstorming for a lot of ideas to eventually start my own thing. Mm. Uh, and I left my job in December 2011, and in January 2012, I I crashed at a party uh, through a former colleague, uh, and I was talking about 3D printing to everybody. And someone told me, "Hey, you should talk to this guy back there. Uh, he knows a lot about 3D." Mm-hmm. And so this guy was Cedric, who's now my co-founder and CTO. He had never heard about 3D printing, uh, but he had been a 3D programmer in the video game industry for the past 15 years. Uh, and it turned out that he was one of the very first guys on earth to work on WebGL, uh, which was initiated by uh, Mozilla in 2011. He was uh, hired by Mozilla to make the first demo ever of WebGL for the launch of Firefox 4. And so we briefly talked about that, and we decided to have lunch, uh, lunch uh, together a few days after, and that's kind of how uh, it started. Interesting. So you were coming at it from 3D printing. He obviously had a 3D background. Was what was the original idea that you wanted to kind of iterate on? So it was really more like Cedric's idea, I guess. Uh, so when when I met him, he had already spent a year building an MVP of. Uh, web-based 3D viewers. It was really the first web-based 3D viewer on the market. And there was, the, I mean, what you, you couldn't really look at 3D content back then? I mean, I, I not, not without a plugin. Like, uh, so all, all the 3D software uh, editors like Desso and Autodesk have tried to build 3D viewers as long as they've built 3D software, but sure. it's always been plugin-based. 
And so you could use Flash, you could use uh, an installed 3D viewer, uh, you could use like Silverlight or something, which was like Microsoft mm -hmm. thing. None of them was uh, pure web-based, uh, so none of them was really scalable, and none of them could reach a ton of people through the internet. Sorry, because plugins take like effort to download and don't work in every browser? Yeah, exactly. Just like, you know, before YouTube, there was a Windows Media Video Player. Mm. <laughs> it, every other time it didn't work, you need to install the updates and people don't install plugins, just like people don't download apps. <laughs> and so it was a huge uh, limitation factor. And then WebGL uh, came to market with the potential to be the first purely web-based solution, so no plugin uh, required. Uh, the challenge being that it was uh, very early tech, so it was only running on alpha versions of the browsers, uh, initially only like Firefox and Chrome. So it wasn't fully scalable yet, but Cedric, through his expertise around 3D and real-time graphics, knew that it had all the components to eventually become like um, a, a full standard. Uh, and, and yeah, and so he started building this thing half just for the, the technical challenge, I think. And then half because he was working on, on a daily basis with uh, 3D artists in the video game industry who were using screenshots or videos <laughs> either to showcase their work, more like a portfolio use case, or to share their work with their uh, customers or, uh, or colleagues. And so he saw there has to be a better solution. And so he built this to, to be yeah, either a portfolio like showcase thing or, or just a, a link uh, sharing uh, thing. Who were the first kind of, uh, who were the pe first people that started to use the, the product? So when, so when I met him, he had this very like bare bone uh, interface. He had a very obscure name, which was showwebgl.com with two W's. <laughs> and I think he had maybe six users, <laughs> which were essentially like the six free artists he knew. Sure. And he had told pretty much nobody about it. He was not interested in in anything that was non non tech. And so when I met him, I, I found it was really cool. I had no idea if it was new, if it was unique, if it had potential. Uh, I knew nothing about three D, uh, but. I've always been interested in publishing solutions and publishing networks and, and the concept of broadcasting content. And so if I just offered to help him out for anything that was non-tech. And so for him, it was a side project. And then for me, it started a side project. And so I brainstormed on a new name and came up with Sketchfab. And then we officially launched as Sketchfab at the end of March 2012. And it immediately took off, like within a month, we had a thousand users. Uh, the first batch of users mostly came from an article published on BlenderNation.com, which is this, as the main forum for Blender people and Blender news. Uh, and it was really, we were the first ones to do that. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people who saw the news just gave it a try. And there's such a, a wow moment when you upload your file and People couldn't believe it was actually working. It's like, wow, within like 20 seconds, I might redefine the browser. It works and I can share it. And it opens like so many ideas and, and uh, potentials and it's kind of mind blowing for people. And then from there, it just kept growing and growing. Hmm. So how, I guess, how would you compare the landscape of like 3D viewers today? I don't, I actually don't really know what else, how else you would do it, right? If, if Sketchfab, 
one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, was Sketchfab um, didn't exist today? Like, what what would be the alternative if uh, you know discounting other companies that could have made a Sketchfab in that sense? But like, what what are the alternatives of Sketchfab today? And but more importantly, like, I know you. I always follow uh, the advancements in the the renderer, and like, there's always new things being added. How did it first start? Um, what did it look like? And kind of how does it look like now? I know, I know you just, I just threw a bunch of questions at you, but. <laughs> so the alternatives you mean that would not be WebGL based or? or um, I guess maybe also WebGL based. I don't know if they're. So first we were the, f the first to market. And then when WebGL came to market, I think most, um, so a number of people looked into it. Uh, I think one of the challenges that people were either good at the web or good at 3D. And back in 2012, there were very few people good at both. So Cedric was one of the few. Mm. And 3D is super fragmented, very complex, and there are more than 100 3D formats. If you look at video or sound or image, or let's say 10 formats. Uh, and, and there is different software for each use case. And so most people who started looking at WebGL did it in a in a vertical way, looking at a specific use case, like I'm, I'm going to build the viewer for architects or the viewer for engineers or the mm. viewer just for artists or the viewer just for 3D printing. And so a lot of uh, vertical viewers emerged. Uh, and as a result, there were more like solutions, uh, like tools as opposed to communities or libraries of content. Uh, and so there were very few uh, platforms. We thought there was a potential for a horizontal approach, uh, and not targeting any specific software or industry, uh, with the caveat that the feature set would be less advanced for each vertical. Uh, typically, like arch architects want uh, collusions that you cannot go through walls, whereas uh, 3D artists want animation support uh, so to get published mm -hmm. animation files. Uh, and so we figured we would we would answer the most common denominator, which is just showing the file. And without adding too much features around it, you know, like uh, measurements, things like that. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the, the, the solution would be much easier to use and would answer like 80% of the needs of 80% of people. Whereas other people, you know, get like sunglass.io who started exactly the same time as us. Uh, well, first they raised a shit ton of money. <laughs> and so they hired like 30 people and then started and they had an approach that was more uh, targeting like engineers uh, and more like a, a GitHub of 3D approach, build a ton of feature before having any user. Mm. And then after a year, they were out of cash and they had 10% of our user base. And so they went down. And so anyway, very, very few platform launched with an horizontal approach and, and we grew much faster than any other. And so today we are pretty much the only independent uh, platform still here from the early days. All the others either died or got acquired. Uh, and then there's been this new wave of platforms coming from the big guys. So that's like uh, Poly by Google and Remix 3D by Microsoft. And, uh, and then platforms which are more like VR or AR specific, you know, like Summerian by Amazon and so on. Mm. You'd think that with a huge company making an entrance that it would be easy to do it, but I guess only just recently, Facebook, like a year ago, announced 3D upload support that they just recently killed, right? Yeah, and Remix 3D <laughs> was launched two years ago and then was just killed as well. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's, there is no example 
historical example ever of any of the big five guys ever able to create a creative community, a content community f- uh, from the ground up. Like they've always, it's always been for acquisitions. Google built uh, Google videos before paying YouTube. Uh, Instagram started as an independent platform. Uh, all the f- every new media way like made video sound. 3D, they always try, but they just don't have it in their DNA to build a community. Uh, and so it's hard for them. So, I mean, I, I guess I can imagine why the community element is a big, big part of success, right? It's that network effect of having people that are uploading and, and people that are also viewing. But is there any, I guess, any tech, technological and passion differences that you, you and your team have brought to the table that it's hard if it's not, let's say if Google, you know, it's putting up poly and whatnot, but it's not that, that's not their main business. It's not their main revenue generator. So like they don't really spend as much time or have the right um, thought or, you know, the right kind of passion behind it. Is that, is that something I mean, that you're not at all? The, yeah, technique, uh, technology goes hand in hand with the community and one wouldn't be possible without the other. I think they're right. on the, there, there are three elements. There's a community uh, that is active that we take great care of and we have human response to any user was an issue and we're even really proactive and I mean we really have this as part of our DNA. And then there is like the network of integrations, including Google and Microsoft and Facebook sure. are thinking for solutions like just for their ecosystems. They just care about their own formats and integrating with their own tools. Whereas like one of our core uh, added values that being friendly with everyone being plugged in everywhere. Uh, and then there is the actual tech, like the rendering tech. Uh, and here, I mean, we've got this great community. A lot of people are, are amazed by the quality of the content and they don't understand why do we have better content than anyone else. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is really both because we have the community that is attractive and so other artists want to join it. And then we're able to render great content. And so in the first years, it was really... We didn't support animation. We didn't support physical based rendering. Uh, we didn't support multiple materials. Uh, we only supported a few formats. And so a lot of the high-end artists, they would not upload anything until we were able to make it look as good as it would look inside a 3ds Max that costs like $5,000. Hmm. Uh, and so we really needed the tech to attract the high-end community. Uh, and then we needed the activity to, to keep it engaged. Uh, and so yeah, it really took a while uh, to have the tech good enough for a lot of people to adopt it. Uh, and so yeah, it really goes hand in hand. And then a lot of uh, we keep doing things that are very that are probably too specific and overkill for ninety nine percent of our users. But then um, it can unlock a few few things. You know, like we we added the QR code support a few months back. This is very specific to uh, car and automotive rendering to this nice kind of varnish finish on the uh, car paint. Mm. And we felt it would please both like very high-end artists who often like to make cars and then unlock discussion with actual like uh, car brands. Uh, and so uh, yeah, it was an interesting thing to add. So the you, you, you kind of figured if we have the basic stuff of this renderer, then we'll have 80% of the users or, or 80% of the use cases. But now, I guess over the last few years, you've been fo- focusing on these like small editions of, you know, very tiny use cases, but that unlock, I guess, a whole industry, right? Like with car, I guess, important and expensive users that could, right? Yeah, well, we, well, 
either try to figure out uh, what has evolved over the years, but uh, uh, early on, I mean, we were trying to focus on features that could unlock a specific community, like supporting .blend files to unlock the entire Blender community, mm-hmm. or exporting, I, I don't know, like a, a, a V-Ray baking from 3ds Max to help with the 3ds Max community. And then over the years, I mean, it's really been one of our core defensibilities to support state-of-the-art 3D rendering in the, on the web. And so we always tend to that. And we know if we keep working on that, everything else will follow. And now we're trying to either work on features that are highly requested by the community or that have a potential for monetization because we need to sustain the platform. And ideally, it has a bit of both. Uh, another mm-hmm. example is like our ground shadow. Uh, yeah. So to automatically add a, a shadow under a model. And it's great for both the community and then our B2B, like our enterprise users. It's great for product display, but it's also great for a character from a video game. It, I mean, I as soon as when that launched, I was like, "Ooh, that looks amazing!" And I, I guess for some reason, it, 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 I realized how much that like ground bake shadows, that like almost like ambient occlusion shadow on the ground, just adds to even. It's not even an augmented reality view, right? It's just you're looking at it in a in a default like skybox or something, but it just adds to the presence of an object being there. And I, I actually went back to pretty much all my, uh, everything that I had uploaded and then re added the ground shadow and then also saved a new thumbnail. Cause mm. you, know, you want to have that in. Yeah. They come to life with the shadow. Right. I love that feature. <laughs> so how do you, I guess, how do you describe Instagram to, I'm sure, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you have different ways of describing, oh, sorry, I said Instagram. Wow, that's, that was good. That was going to be my second question. Um, how do you describe Sketchfab to people? And uh, let's let's take like someone that's um, just not connected to 3D games or tech at all. It's just like a, right, any person that you were just meeting on the train or something. Uh, yeah, so Sketchfab is a platform to publish and find 3D models online. Uh, our core product is a web-based 3D player that you can embed anywhere, be it on a website, uh, in a news article, uh, in a social network. Uh, and then we're also the largest community of 3D creators with more than 2 million uh, members and becomes the largest library of 3D files with more than 3 million 3D files. And so we're not only a solution for people who create content to publish it, share it, embed it, host it, display it, view it. Uh, we are also a place for people who need content uh, to view it, uh, download it, buy it, and then reuse it for other projects. Mm. Okay, so that's that's a lot more uh, built out than uh, than what how I describe it when I'm telling <laughs> it to people. But I guess that's... I, I mean, I think of it as like a very useful Instagram where it can be an Instagram on a very, very high level, surface level, if you just look at it once from any, you know, any, any website. But obviously, you just said all the other useful kind of elements. Having 3D... Uh, a huge content library to be able to pull from in, in apps. How I guess that's also something I want to talk a lot about is like the integrations into pretty much every 3D software at this point, whether it's to export your your creations to Sketchfab or to import models. Um, like what sort of engagement have you been seeing from that end, and like how like what are the most interesting things that you've you've seen come come about from those those sort of integrations? So on the export side. Uh I think that's really been our initial like core distribution strategy. So it's mm. been really powerful for us. I mean, a lot of people, especially in Europe, I think, 
especially in France, like we make amazing software. And then we assume that it is so good that people will start using it and, and they will fall in love with it. And, and people are not wondering how, how are users going to hear about it? Uh, and so very early on, uh, we figured that if we were integrated, uh, directly within the software used by the uh, content creators, would have a, a double benefit of a making their workflow much easier because it's one click would like optimize the upload process for a given software and it's one click away uh, to publish to Sketchfab. And then B, it would put our brand within the interface of tools they use every day, which was an amazing uh, user acquisition strategy. Mm. And so if we want to reach Blender users, instead of us having to harass them and say, hey, Sketchfab is great, uh, we're going to have Blender tell their users, hey, we've integrated Sketchfab and you should give it a try. And this is way more powerful. Mm. And so that was, um, yeah, we've stick to that. And over the years, we've, we've had more than 100 integrations. 70% uh, of them are native, which means the software have had a native Sketchfab button. So they've tweaked their code to add this. Um, and it has served us really well. Um, and I haven't checked the stats recently, but I think about 20, maybe 25% of our uploads come from those integrations, uh, which is a big number. Then mm. it's hard to say how many people discovered us that way and then still prefer manual upload for whatever reason. Uh, and then, so Sketchfab is seven years old. We've spent most of those seven years focusing on the upload side of things and onboarding a lot of creators and content. And then we felt we, we reached critical mass when we kind of passed like the 2 million or 3 million model bar. And so mm. we just, just, and at the same time, there was the AR and VR ecosystem like kind of starting to unfold uh, with new ways to consume the content and new places to use it. And so we just started looking at step two, which is redistributing this content back into many other applications. And we figured, so it was, it was a major evolution because for the first like five or six years, we really didn't want the content to leave Sketchfab. We wanted Sketchfab to be the, the end mm. of the journey. Mm. And then we realized that if we let the content leave Sketchfab, it would make Sketchfab even more of a central place for everyone who creates to publish and then for anyone we need content to find it. Uh, and so we, we just released our, so we released our download API like 18 months ago, but early 2018, uh, to, ah, that's uh, new. Well, it's right, been, it's, uh, oh, yeah, it's rather new. Yeah. 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 Uh, to let people add a Sketchfab search bar within uh, their tools and making Sketchfabs is not only is a good to solution to publish, but also to find, uh, and so this is much more recent. So we don't have hundreds of integrations. We have maybe, well, there is a new one every week and I don't keep track of all, uh, but it's growing significantly faster. Uh, and of course there are way more people who need content than people who make content. And so, whereas until recently, our main metric was the number of uploads. Uh, now the number of downloads is growing uh, way faster. Uh, and it's becoming a, a major met, uh, metric as well. Yeah, I guess you were making the bet. I mean, I can see why you want to be protective over things that are uploaded to Sketchfab, but you were making the bet that if we let go of these things or if, if people let it be downloadable, then it will come back, uh, you know, tenfold or, or, you know, 10 different remixes of one of one mesh. 
and we have a number of ideas to, to monetize this <laughs> in a way. <laughs> right. And we haven't even talked about the store or anything yet, but yeah. um, actually going back to the import. So I'm sure now, obviously it's now that you're in every like 3d software, you know, you don't have to go to anyone. They come to you. I mean, what was the first integration and was that, and like, how hard was that to really make to export from a 3d software? So this must've been like quite early on in Sketchfab's yeah. life. So the first exporter, well, most of our first exporters were actually built by the community. So the very first one was for Blender. And it's just a Blender user who came up and say, Hey, I love Blender. I love Sketchfab. I'm going to build a Blender add-on for Sketchfab. So that it was not native. It was a little script you would install in your Blender, which would add the, the menu. And so for the first two or three years, none of the exporters were native. Like we, we were nobody with no traction. A lot of the historical players, quite frankly, didn't understand what we were doing. Like mm. typically the Autodesk and like, why would I want to share 3D model on the web if it's just to view it? Like there was no features around it. You couldn't download it. It was really a, a broadcast, a publishing use case and they didn't understand. And so we started either with, uh, add-ons built by the community. And so we got like Blender and 3DS Max and C4D were among the first ones. Uh, and then as we grew in popularity, we started discussions around native integrations. Uh, and so among the first ones was Substance Painter by Algorithmic, uh, 3D Code, which is another like texturing, uh, software. And then as we grew, we were able to, to get to bigger ones, like with native integrations. We got Photoshop quite early on, actually in 2014. We mm. got, uh, Modo, which is among the big ones. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a lot of the 3D capture, like photogrammetry software, like uh, Agisoft and reality capture and so on. So how long have we been able to download models from Sketchfab for free, right? They've been, yeah. you've, you've had an, uh, a toggle to let people download your model for free and with different licenses. So whether it's commercial or, yeah. or not. So I think we added the download feature back in like 2015, uh, always under Creative Commons and the initial... It was mostly coming from a request from the cultural heritage sector. Okay, like the British Museum, uh, they wanted to release their content for 3D printing. Uh, and so we're like, okay, it's cultural heritage. It's, it's cool. It's a cool use case. Uh, let's do that. Uh, and so that's, that's how it started. Mm. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, uh, as we grew, more and more people were asking, why, why don't you? A lot of visitors were asking, what's, what is this Sketchfab thing? I cannot buy the content. Like, this, is, this is silly. <laughs> and then a lot of our users were interested in selling and we figured out mm. it was just a, a really low hanging fruit, um, uh, to help our creators make money and then to unlock value from, from the library. Uh, I mean, we took a while to get there. Um, one reason was that initially we didn't really want the content to leave Sketchfab. Another reason was, was that we wanted to reach critical mass first. Um, and, and yeah, and, and also, and also there, there's, I mean, it's a challenge to do both a community and a marketplace. And they are, hmm. 
there are almost no examples. I only, I actually only know two or three. So one of them was 500 pixel and it was hard for them to be both a community of photographers. I think both like the showcase and community aspect, which is kind of uh, just for the beauty of it. Mm. Then the marketplace aspect. Why, uh, why is that difficult? Imagine because it's, it's really help. hard to mix the purity of art and, you know, like art exists for the sake of art and mm. you don't want a dollar sign. <laughs> I mean, if you're exhibiting showcasing content, it's, it's hard to mix the commercial aspect of selling content. There is this aspect that like people want to just show their art without having to think of a price. A lot of people are not allowed to sell their content, like people who work at League of Legends and they mm. just want to showcase their work. And then, um, and then it's not the same content. A lot of the artistic content doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to buy. Like people who want to buy content or often want generic content like a chair or a table or sure. something sure. they can reuse as a neutral thing. So there's, those are two different things. Some yeah. people, yeah, that are showcasing art versus uh, people that are making, yeah, very generic things. And so we're worried that uh, adding the store would kind of uh, annoy the community and, uh, and yeah, uh, that yeah. we would lose some of the beauty of art for art. <laughs> do, do you think that happened or how did the community react? Uh, not really. I mean, because first we... We kind of separated it so there is, you can browse the store only if you just want to buy content or it's just part of the regular community. Uh, and I mean, I think the community was happy to have this opportunity to monetize their work. And, uh, and I mean, it's still, uh, I think uh, the way we implemented it makes it, uh, kind of seamlessly blended with the community and. I don't, I, we haven't had uh, any backlash, I would say about this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that I had seen any of it. I was just asking, um, how it seemed. So I guess going back to you, SketchUp being one of the few community, but also store websites, it's, I guess, akin to like, if YouTube actually let or not, or not let, but like built a way for their creators to like actually make money apart from just ads from it which i guess you could have gone down route again but now what we see a lot with the biggest youtubers is they're just trying to shell, sell shirts because that's the bigger profit mm. profitable uh market so but yeah. so uh, vimeo actually did like us so they just recently after us they had a, uh, a marketplace like a stock marketplace to buy videos and so i think vimeo is today is the only other main example of both a community and a marketplace. Then you would have places like the Noon Projects, but it's not really a, a community. Um, and then SoundCloud, they never really had a, a marketplace component. So Vimeo sure. is the only other one. And then we did, we did sort of about monetizing access to the content, like pay to view. Uh, mm -hmm. so that would be closer to like YouTube red thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's too early for that. Uh, it could make sense today. Everyone has AR glasses and when there are more like mass, uh, consumption use cases of uh, special content. Mm -hmm. Uh, but today, uh, yeah, we would have, I mean, yeah, it was too early for that. 
Do you feel like 3D is still in its kind of like early, early days? Is that how do you how do you view the world of 3D? And I mean, obviously, we haven't even talked about VR and AR at all. But like, yeah, where, where do you see <laughs> is this peak 3D, which I don't think it is. But like, where how do you how would you describe like the industry? I mean, it's been in a lot of places for a while, but always in the in the back scene, like in the back office of workflows and you know, like pretty much every product that is manufactured is designed in 3D first. Mm, uh, a lot of the mo- movies use 3D, a lot of the games, a lot of the ads. Uh, when you see a big uh, Coca-Cola ad in a 2D panel, it's always made with 3D assets. Uh, so that nobody uh, knows that. I think 3D has been here for a while, but not consumed in 3D. So 3D used for a 2D output, which is either flat 2D or video or whatever. So what's new is 3D consumed in, in real-time 3D. Um, and I mean, it's now well, a lot through us <laughs> being broadcasted in a lot of places. Like, I don't know if you saw the, the Time magazine using SketchUp to share uh, 3D capture of the Amazon forest. And I mean, it's pretty much in the front page of Time magazine. <laughs> And so I don't know if this qualifies as mass consumption of 3D because it's kind of, for us, kind of B2B2C where we provide the solution to time, uh, we provide it to millions of users, uh, but it is mass consumption of, of 3D, just like New York Times uses 3D to document the uh, Notre Dame uh, uh, events. Uh, and and then on, we have more and more like e-commerce uh, customers uh, and so... Uh, yeah, it's being used every day. So because we have, so we see in real time all usage through Google Analytics, and so <laughs> whenever a model is viewed anywhere, we see where it's viewed, how, and so we see all those embeds who are embedded in hundreds of thousands of websites. Uh, whenever there is a news event, we have huge spikes because uh, I don't know, it can be the new iPhone, and the same day someone is going to publish a model of the new iPhone and the next day is going to be embedded on the Wall Street Journal documenting, like telling the story of the new iPhone. Uh, and so, I mean, we're well, one of the vectors to bring mass consumption of 3D, uh, but it's, it's not really, I mean, we're not yet at a point where 3D is consumed for itself and where normal people, which was kind of our early ops, ops was that normal people would come to Sketchfab and would, uh, you know, like follow specific brands and browse Sketchfab just for the sake of it. And I think uh, uh, this will even, I'm not sure this will actually come, I guess. I mean, we're a browsing destination mostly for content creators. And then 3D is powerful, uh, often as part of a context. And so I think a lot of it will happen through either embeds. And today, 85% of our traffic is through our embeds or for our download integrations, where will be the search bar. My vision is to be pre-installed mm. in any AR headset, for example, and then you want to see anything. We are we power the search bar of Magic Clip or Orleans, and you say, I want this T-Rex in my living room. Uh, maybe it's a free T-Rex, maybe it's paid, maybe I have a subscription a la Spotify where I have unlimited digital content I can bring in my uh, virtual living room. Mm. And then I will have, yeah, I will be able to cover virtual objects everywhere. It's going to take time. 
Yeah, but that's fascinating that you the goal isn't even the sketchfab.com itself or you know to be the destination but um the fa- the way you can kind of integrate yourself into the web like the backbones of the web and be the backbone for 3D I guess can be really interesting. Um okay, quick question, hard hitting question of, and I, ho- <laughs> I hope there's a an yes answer for this, but you start you wanted to start this company with 3D printing in mind. Are there any 3D printers that have that can you can search on Sketchfab on the printer itself and or like just be able to to directly print a Sketchfab model from the printer itself? I don't even I don't even know if they have things that can do that, but so <laughs> does that exist? We've always had a lot of uh, inbound from all the 3D printing companies wanting us to add a 3D print button on Sketchfab. <laughs> now we have the same thing with all the VR and AR sets and all of displays. Uh, and so initially, at the very beginning, uh, well, it was too early and we weren't really interested. We did experiment with that, I think, in 2014 or 15. So we did have a, f- a 3D. So it was a partnership with 3D Hubs, which back then was kind of Airbnb for 3D printers. Uh, and we shared the same investors and we felt there was a learning fruit to just experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think on the one hand, we didn't, neither of us really put in the work to make the integration as robust as it could be. But then most importantly, most of our content is just not printable. Sure. Uh, it's too complex. So less than probably less than 5% is printable. Uh, you know, there is transparency. The model is not watertight. And, and so yeah, we're really more of a visualization software. 3D printing is a manufacturing process. Right. And we've never had the bandwidth to keep it more attention. Yeah, there's a lot more logistics involved with printing than there is with 3D modeling and, and, and viewing in general. I guess I'm sure this has been a, something you've thought about or has been talked about in the company many times. But like, is there any effort or any need to to push Sketchfab also into the content creation side, whether that's 3D modeling itself or like something more about more life or, you know, uh, live capture kind of side? Is there You mean is there any offering op- our creation tools? Sure. I mean, it's been a long, uh, well, it's I'm an ongoing thing. Sure. <laughs> Typically, like a lot of investors have been wanting us to, <laughs> like, why don't you have 3D capture app? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a number of um, things to consider. Uh, one is that one of our core strengths is to be integrated with all the creation software. And if we start, you know, like mess- messing up with them and building our own solutions, we're going to compete with all those integrations. Mm. Uh, another one is that it's very different skill sets. Uh, and so, I mean, people who make creation tools focus on that. People who make publishing and web-based sharing platforms focus on that. Um, and I mean, if you look at YouTube, I think they only added a record button in the YouTube app less than two years ago. And so you couldn't even record a video from YouTube. Um, and so, and so nobody uses it. I mean, yeah. or, 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 why would I don't you know. use that? Yeah. And then I think free capture is, is, um, it's still early. There are many different ways to do it. Whatever we would build would be like obsolete in, in two years and it would really require a full team to work on that. Uh, there are very often different approaches depending on the subject matter. 
And so there are a lot of great people building great capture apps just for the head or just for rooms or just for objects. And we're not going to solve it ourselves. Uh, unless, I mean, we raise like 100 million, <laughs> we can try to do all the things. Uh, but I think we would, it would be hard to do have a strong positioning around like publishing and, and it works for us. We did very briefly experiment with sculpting. And so we have this app called uh, SculptFab. It's really it's because one of our former team members, uh, Stefan, built a web-based sculpting app called SculptGL. Uh, and it was under MIT license. And so we just did a, a sketchfab version of it, but it was a, a hack, uh, kind of hacking weekend project. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you don't want to, I guess, cannibalize your own good position that you have with every other company. Um, it's funny also your pinned tweet is, it says it took six years, but proud to say we've been able to partner with Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft, like basically the big five, uh, I can't imagine other what other services kind of have are integrated with everything. I mean, I guess there's a lot of backend stuff, I'm sure, but I don't can't think of uh, a product or service like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Um, What's the biggest like growth vector that you see upcoming, and that could be short term or long term as well, but like. Where, where really is, where's the stuff for 3D that's still coming? And it's like, maybe we're only seeing like the little bits of hints of it now, uh, but you're excited about, about future. There are really two sides of the equation when it's creation, when it's consumption. Sure. So on the creation, it's everything around 3D capture. And so I expect the iPhone as a back facing 3D camera, it will change a lot of things. Don't change everything because it will still not be great. And normal people would take a while to understand like use cases and I mean that's what I sh- but this tweet exchange <laughs> where I think people need to understand that free ca- should do free capture for the sake of doing free capture. Uh, yeah let's it, let's quickly talk about that actually let me um let me pull it up. What she talks about 3D printing is it in the exchange I guess. It was about the Samsung 10. I was surprised that it was the Samsung 10 3D capture feature was marketed for 3D printing, whereas for me, it was 1% of the use cases. Interesting. So they, they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to market as a 3D printer, but it's very hard to make things that are water or yeah, I guess watertight isn't that hard, but like actually, um, structurally integral, structural things with structural integrity are hard to build. So, or hard to model. So you're saying it's not great for 3D printing. Not, and- no, no, that's not, I'm saying, and the Sony free capture app had the same thing. Like they had a, their app was able to output a file that was printable out of the box. So it was not hard to do that. My point was more that there is way more use cases around just the digital file uh, for like VR, AR, visualization purposes or uh, digital archive purposes. I mean, I, yeah. I expect very few people to want to use this for 3D printing. And uh, and so as I expect a lot of people to don't think they need 3D printing in their lives, I don't think it's the best way to market the future. Whereas explaining we live in a 3D world, you can capture it the way it actually is. And for me, it's just a natural evolution of capture and story of paintings and we got photographies and we got video. And we live in 3D world, so if we can capture it in 3D, we're going to do that. Uh, that's how it should be marketed. Like you can capture what's around you in its 
true native format, which is 3D. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm having trouble finding this exchange. But basically, I can sum it up where I was like, I, I think I quote tweeted that note, some note twin tweet about the, the back-facing thing. And I was like, yes, there, there, I'm like, there's definitely going to be more uh, phones coming out over the next like few years that will have a time of flight or some sort of 3D uh, sensor in the back. Um, and, you know, maybe they're not all going to be well-marketed because... They don't understand 3D as well as 3D people do. But like, I was like, I still don't, you know, being a heavy 3D uh, or a photogrammetry person myself, like I, I still have trouble figuring out how this is going to, if I could have like a magic wand and make the photogrammetry really easy, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out who would use it for what. But I, I should also say this. I realized my own bias of like, even when I was just doing photography, I was, I actually realized that I did very little portrait photography. I'm like, a, I loved grand landscapes. I loved uh, astrophotography. And so I'm always been drawn to that. And my phot phot photogrammetry work also is like extremely uh, skewed in that sense. And so, I, and that takes a lot of work and, and, and it's great, but like you, you do very different uh, photogrammetry and I'm sure it reflects also the other, your photography itself, whether it's food or people. Mm. Um, maybe actually, yeah, kind of, can you talk to, uh, can you tell us more about like what you think about capturing or how to capture and, and do you think about how you, it's going to be presented at the end and how it's going to be viewed? Yeah. I mean, typically myself, I mostly capture food, people <laughs> and objects which are usually shoes or cars or <laughs> motorbikes and i think typically if you focus on food and people i think it's, i guess that's what most of instagram's content is about like people right. shooting their meals and their friends uh and i mean I, and so it's really the same behavior like um i have an amazing plate in front of me or i want to record a moment with a friend or my son or whatever and if I can do this in 3D, it's incredibly powerful uh, mm. because it's closer to what it actually looks like. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I think about it. But I, I don't really think about uh, how it's going to be used or what I'm going to do with it. I, I mean, I'm just uh, preserving a, a moment or an object and right. I'm just happy to have a kind of a digital, digital arch archive of it. Uh, for whatever reason for the sake of it yeah the, the art for the sake of art and not needing to be useful is i'm I'm 100 there with you and and that's the beauty of it it doesn't need to be useful by any means um but i guess I, i've been more worried about like with 3d obviously like there's so many more um there's more dimensions to deal with when it comes to like the experience of that thing itself so i i spend a lot of time thinking about um how you know what does someone experience the first second they look at this the next five seconds the next 30 seconds um it's been and it's harder it's not as easy as uploading an instagram i mean I, is that where you think like a huge growth is going to be is just real life capture and and people capture um i mean i don't know i, I see it's part of many just like photo or video I'm not sure I would say Instagram is the main use case for photo <laughs> or for photo sure. existing. Sure. Uh, it's one vector. So, yeah. 
<laughs> um, and okay, then in terms of like, do you think it's going to be polygons or it's going to be something more light fieldy that will be essentially like, is there a, gro- a minimum viable product when it comes to like real life capture, like reality capture that you think we need to get to? Um, like or are we even there yet? I'm, I'm just thinking like, you know, if 3D is a big part of our future, and we want to capture real life things like reality capture. Um, what what is the minimum? Uh, what what do we need really for that? And is that going to be represented with like polygons? Is that really what's like kind of holding us back? Well, I think we already have most of it today represented through polygons or point clouds, and can be static or animated. Uh, it's just that it still takes quite some time to have good quality content and then mm-hmm. this content is heavy so it's hard to distribute it <laughs> so we are doing taking a small role in helping with that uh, but i mean yeah i don't know 10 years from now something that takes a week to process in reality capture will take maybe two minutes and then you'll be able to mm-hmm. publish it anywhere uh, independent of its uh, size uh, and then you'll have many more ways to consume it through like vr ar uh, and so on. Hmm. What do you think about Lightfield? Do you think that's a that's something that's interesting in, by any means, both on the capture, but also on the on I guess on the rendering side? Uh, I haven't looked uh, much into it. Uh, I mean, we're so since there are still a lot of technical uh, challenges, I mean, we're busy enough with the with like the photogrammetry challenges and stuff like that. So I haven't too much into it to be honest right yeah i mean it's it's a question i ask myself like whether it is textured meshes that will be what is the format um of you know of what let's say the instagram of 10 years looks like um it's hard it's really hard to say and and uh i guess we just have to wait and see and keep experimenting and bet on sketchfab being there to (laughs) to support it right yeah yeah Cool. Uh, okay, Alban, what's been exciting you lately about um, about this world of 3D, whether it's like a new VR headset or AR? Um, is that moving along the the timescale that you saw it to be, or is it quicker, slower? Uh, well, first, I would say that, to be honest, I've been uh, mostly uh, heads down. <laughs> there are so many things happening, and I'm have less bandwidth now to, to like follow all the trends and <laughs> I'm still really f- following closely everything around 3D capture, but otherwise uh, I'm mostly it, it's down, you know, like building the, growing the company and, uh, and focused on what's happening <laughs> at Sketchfab to, uh, and don't have as much bandwidth as I would want to like keep, uh, uh, keep track of everything that's happening. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I think the two, Two important recent milestones were clearly Oculus Quest, um, and yeah, for me it's been the big. Uh, uh, I mean, I've used VR way more since I have a Quest than before. Uh, it's really a paradigm shift to have something untethered, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's, it's been great. And then the other one, which is still Facebook, <laughs> is uh, uh, unlocking. Uh, Instagram AR, like uh, going out of beta in August. There hasn't been a ton of noise around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that, and so we're integrated in Spark AR, which is a Facebook AR platform, 
so that you can bring AR objects from Sketchfab into Instagram AR. Uh, and this has really increased our volume of downloads, for example. Uh, and I think this is yeah, one use case, one example of mass consumption of special content and also, also the work Snap is doing uh, with Lens Studio. And, um, and this has been interesting to follow. So these uh, AR Studio apps have Sketchfab integration? Is that what you're uh, Just Spark AR for now. Mm-hmm. And and how do you? I mean, how do you see that really being used as a way to kind of put it around you and your face, or more of the other other side of the camera? Well, I think when so again, I don't spend a ton of time browsing <laughs> Instagram AR filters. From the outside, it looks like most of it, probably ninety percent of it, is really face filters. Mm-hmm. And I think most of our we have a lot of content that would be able to power uh, things that are more like well. Uh, like not uh, front looking, but back, back looking. Uh, and we haven't really touched the potential for that yet. Uh, so yeah, it's, I mean, certainly, um, I've found people to be really creative with what they could do with like SketchUp models or 3D models in general and face filters in general. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the use case is still limited if it's, mostly face filters, and then the way to consume it is still like mobile AR. So, mm. uh, I mean, well, when it will be like AR glasses and, and not just about your face, it will end up many more uh, use cases. Cool. So Alba, how can uh, people find you and reach you and find out more about Sketchfab? So you can go to sketchfab.com. Uh, slash about to hear more about Sketchfab itself. You can find me on Sketchfab, sketchfab.com slash Alban, A-L-B-A-N, or on Twitter uh, at A-L-B-N. Uh, I'm quite active on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, I guess those are the main places. Cool. Before I let you go, you briefly mentioned this, but you didn't explain it. What is the Sketchfab name and why was it named that? Um, <laughs> it was initially meant as a, as a kind of a portmanteau of a sketch, which illustrated the concept of a drawing, potentially a 3D drawing, and then Fab, which was a mix of fabulous and fabrication, or like the 3D printing aspect, I guess. Uh, and it was available as that kind of domain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, I spent almost 10 days full time looking for a name. Uh, it nice. just sounded cool, and we were happy with it, and both Cedric and I, so we went for it. Nice. And yeah, it seems like it's been working out well. Thanks. <laughs> cool. And thank you all for uh, joining and listening to the podcast today. You can find us on Twitter, at Research VRCast. Uh, and we are also uploading these podcasts to YouTube now. Uh, we haven't started doing video podcasts that will just add a lot more to the production kind of like timelines, but, uh, maybe over time we, we do have plans of doing more. We used to do these podcasts in VR and, and record kind of like also our avatars, but then, uh, platforms change, things happened and setting up these conversations would have been much harder, but yeah. I'm sure that'll, that'll, that'll come around. Um, Cool. Thank you, Alvin, for joining. Great. Thank you, Ed. All right. And thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Bye.